Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory to your name. Say thank you to our worship team here today, leading us into the place of praise and worship. Amen. Joshua chapter 24. We're going to read just a few verses here. Let's begin in verse number one. If you want to stand for the reading of the word, you can do so. Amen, amen. Joshua chapter 24, beginning in verse one, it says that Joshua, he gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. And he called for all of the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges, for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua, he said to the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Now notice he's speaking for God here in this moment. He says, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, they dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and I led him throughout all the land of Canaan and I multiplied his seed and I gave him Isaac. We're going to skip down a few verses, go down to verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the God's which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. If it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose you this day whom you will serve. What he's saying there is, some of you are still carrying around the idols from your past, And you haven't made a choice yet. You want to, on Sundays, enter into the tabernacle, into the place where you would worship God. But every other day of the week, you go back to where your idols are at, under your bed or up on your shelf in your room, and you serve them. So, if it seems evil to serve God, then how about let's just make a choice here today. Whether the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell right now but as for me and as for my house now I said earlier he was speaking for God but now he shifts and he says this isn't God speaking this is me this is the decision that I've made as for me in my house we will serve the Lord He said, I can tell you this right now, that for me, I've already made the decision that we are going to serve Jehovah. We are going to serve the God that brought us out of Egypt. We are going to serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the promises, the God who has a future that is in store for us. As for me and my house, we're going to serve him. And so the people on that day, they answered and they said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord 
to serve other gods. Amen. If you want to lay your Bibles down, lift your hands up here today. I believe that God is not done speaking to us here on this occasion, this day, right now. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray. God, that you would just move into this house today. That your presence, God, would manifest amongst us. Lord, that we could, Lord, be brought, Lord, into a, an understanding, God, of where we are at, Lord. And to, to realize, Lord, the decisions that you lay before us. Lord, that we could decide, Lord, for a surety, Lord, that we will serve you today. Lord, that anything that would try to come against your word, Lord, that it would be set aside, Lord. And that it would uh, not Lord, have its way here today, Lord, whether it be of our human spirit. Lord, or some other spirit, I cast it aside in Jesus' name, Lord, so that you can have your way in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated here today. Well, there's a lot that you can read into this, this story here, this occasion of what was taking place, and we're going to get into some of it, but just want to start out by pointing out some things about the what the the children of Israel believe had believed until this day, and that is if there is if there was any other deity in in their life, there was any other deity in their life that is not the Lord Himself, that it's not the same God. That that there is only one God. This is this is what I'm trying to say. There is only one God. And and you cannot split that God up into many gods. You cannot say that that one God is is uh is served in some other capacity from what uh his his holy scripture would would show us how to serve him. But there is only one God and he is not found in this world. There is a God of this world and and that's not the God that I want to pursue. I want to pursue the God which made this world, the God of the heavens, the God, amen, who came down and he did dwell among us. But it is not the God of the spirit of this age, the spirit of this world. I want to forsake that God. Now, I'm going to ask you a question today. And Moses, Moses actually posed this question in Exodus chapter 32 and I want to pose it to you today, and it's really the title of my sermon. The question is this, in Exodus chapter 32, in fact, if you could just put that scripture up on the screen, Moses, he stood in the gate of the camp and he said, who is on the Lord's side? Who's on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. He asked that question, who is on the Lord's side? And that's the title of what I want to speak on here today. Now, if we can, I want to just go back a little bit on the history of that uh, moment where Joshua was speaking in Joshua chapter 24, because this is a point at which Joshua is coming to the end of his life. He's getting ready to draw his last breath at some point uh, on the, the near uh, in the near time. He's getting ready to, to just pull his feet up into the bed, call it quits for eternity. He's, he is at the end of his life. But before his death, Joshua, the, the successor to that great leader, Moses, he gathers the people of Israel here in this place of Shechem. And the speech from which I read portions of 
here in Joshua 24, this speech is the very last public words that we see spoken from Joshua to the people of Israel. He's, he's calling them in this speech, in this last days of his life, he's calling them to a place of remembrance. Now, it tells us that he brought them, in doing this, he had brought them to a place called Shechem. Now, Shechem was a, a very important place, a very uh, important location in uh, that region. Because this, this, this really, it's not even the first time that, that Joshua has addressed the children of Israel as Shechem. Geographically speaking, and, and um, there's not going to be a pop quiz after this, so don't worry about that. But, but then I want you to understand a little bit about this whole idea of Shechem. Because, because why is it that Joshua would say, meet me at Shechem? It's, it's Shechem, this city, this location. It's in a place that's near two mountains. There's one mountain on the one side that is called Mount Gerizim. The other mountain is called Mount Ebal. Now, why is this important? It's, I'd say that it's important because this is the place where the Lord unconditionally promised the land to Abraham in Genesis, the 12th chapter. It was here that God said, I will make a place for you. I'm, I'm bringing you into a land. I'm bringing you into a place. It was at Shechem that God spoke to Abraham. But it was also at Shechem where Joseph, the grandson or the, the great grandson of Abraham. It's the place where Joseph was abducted by his brothers. It was at Shechem that he was sold into slavery to go and to live the rest of his life in Egypt. And then later in chapter 25, we find out that in Genesis 25, we find out that Shechem was the place that Joseph said, I don't want to be buried in Egypt. Bring me to Shechem. Put my bones at Shechem. Go and bury me at the land of my fathers. Bury me at Shechem. So Shechem was certainly a place of utmost importance. This is the place where the blessings and the cursings of Israel were recited after Joshua had led the children of Israel into the land of the promise years before this address here at the later part of his life. You have the greatest moments and some of the worst moments that have happened at Shechem. It's a decision point. It's a, it's a place of decision. And in this earlier ceremony in Shechem, the Bible tells us that Joshua, he had inscribed two large stones and he had taken the word of God and um, he had inscribed these on, on some stones and he, he built there an altar at the foot of the mountain with these stones. And, and because of his, his predecessor, Moses, Moses had done something similar at, at Mount Sinai when when he was uh, introducing the people, if you would, to this God that he had met there on that mountain in the bush. And, and Joshua, he realized, he realized if God is going to seal his people with his covenant, then there is always going to be an altar that's involved with it. The Bible says that on that first visit there to Shechem, 
Joshua, he offered sacrifices. And he divided the children of Israel right down the middle. He divided them six, he says, uh, six tribes, I want you to go up. And you're going to go up on Mount Gerizim. And then I want the other six tribes, you're going to go up and you're going to be on Mount Ebal. And now he took the Levites and he says, the the tribe of the Levites, I want you to come and you are going to be right here in the middle. Now the Levites were the priests. This is the priesthood. This is the representation of, of God. He says, I want you right here in Shechem. I want you right here in the middle. So we have half of you on that side, half of you on this mountain. And, 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 and God is right here in the middle of it. And so he begins right then to recite the blessings and the curses. And he, be, and he tells them, you, Israel, have a choice to make. He calls the one half of them. They are the representation of the curses. They're the representation of serving the other gods. They're the representation of the ones who would chase after the things of the past, the things of the world. And the others, he says, this is the Lord's side. And if you choose this, there's blessings that come. But the reality is God is here and he's asking for you to make a choice. Will you serve me or will you serve the world? It's like God stood right there in the middle of it. He said, you're going to have to make a decision in my presence. Are you following after the gods of your fathers? Are you following after the gods of Egypt? Or are you going to be on the blessed mountain? The mountain where it is the God who is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I tell you today, that that call of Joshua, that call is still resounding in the atmosphere. I want you to know, come on, what mountain, what mountain is it that you're going to stand on today? What mountain will you stand on? Who is on the Lord's side? Who is it that's going to be on the Lord's side? Listen to what I'm telling you. I I believe, I believe that there is in this, in this day and age, there is this spirit of resignation that is so pervasive. It's it's like this rollover and just wait until I die kind of a spirit. It rests on, on our nation. It rests in the church. And it, it's like, well, you know, I guess I'm just going to have to get by till Jesus comes. Come on, if you recognize that spirit. I'm not saying that everybody has that on them, but it is so pervasive that there are those that they're saying, well, you know what? I guess this is just how it's going to be. This is just how it's going to be. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just, you know, maybe we're just not meant for revival. Maybe we just get by. I'm telling you, I'm not here just to get by till Jesus comes. I'm not here to just get by. I want to see revival. I want, come on, I'm not here just to wait until the rapture happens and then get caught up out of here by myself come on i want to be found in the midst of the greatest revival that this world has ever seen i don't want to be caught up just standing here twiddling my thumbs come on my hands in my pockets just saying lord i'm gonna sing kumbaya till you come back no i want to be at work doing the things of god come on if i'm standing on the lord's side it's not just me by myself saying lord would you come 
come someday. No, I want to be working on his side. If I'm on his side, I'm going to be all in doing the work of God. Well, I hope that you realize, come on, that when you come back, when he comes back, come on, that I want to be the one. Well, I want to be the one that's up here in a baptistry baptizing somebody. Come on, when Jesus comes back. Or I want to be sitting across the table from an alcoholic and teaching them a Bible study or telling them about the goodness of God and how God is able to set them free. Come on, that's what I want to be doing when Jesus comes back. If I die, come on, let me die in the faith still preaching what I have always believed. I'm not going to quit. Well, can I just remind you today that being a soul winner, it's not a special position in this church. If you're breathing, then you ought to be a soul winner. If you are breathing, then you ought to be reaching. If the truth is hidden, the gospel is, is hidden. It's hidden to those that are lost. That's what scripture says. Oh, you've got a group of people. You have a group of people that I can never touch. You have a mission field that is your mission field where you live, work, and play. That's where God has called you. That's the mission field that God has called you to. Or may it be that if the Lord comes back today that he found, finds you in a reaching posture. That he finds you reaching for the lost. I, be, I, I believe that God, come on, he is, he's calling us on to his side. But it's not just to sit there and, to, and just to, to sit back and to, to enjoy everything, you know, and without having to, to actually go and do the things that he's called us to. The commission that he's called us to. When we come on the Lord's side, God is calling us to a place of action. Well, I, I don't want to just be in this resigned state where it's just like, well, I, I was baptized 20 years ago and God filled me with his spirit, but, and I'm, I'm just going to come and, and, and when I feel like it, I'll show up. If the right song is sung, I might raise a hand. Come on, God has done too much for me. Come on, don't just be satisfied with just a touch. Don't be satisfied with just standing on the line where you are halfway in and halfway out. Don't be satisfied with just a little bit of God. Let's make a decision that says, I'm all in or I'm all out. Come on, but one thing, come on, God, he's not looking for a lukewarm church. He's not looking for a lukewarm people. He's saying, I want somebody who's cold or who's hot. Come on, give me somebody who's hot, who's on fire for me. Give me somebody, come on, who is shining the fire. Come on, who has been purified. Give me somebody who's all in. I want somebody who's made that decision that I, in, for, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. We're all in. We're all in on this. Come on, I'm not just back here resigned to, to just get through life with the little touch that I got 15 years ago. I'm going to do the work of God. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He was, uh, Joshua, he, he was presenting them with the proposition of either going along and uh, going going back to the the dumb little gods the gods that cannot speak the gods the idols of their their past their ancestors and their 
uh, of, of Egypt that they had brought out with them. It says you can either, either go to them or you can go and you can serve a God who is alive. A God who we've seen his hand at work. It's amazing how we can forget about the amazing things that God has done for us in our life. It's amazing how easily sometimes we can forget about those things. That's why I think it's so important to live our life with gratitude and just think. I, I, I love Thanksgiving for that reason, this, this season that we were in. Because it's, it's just a time of remembrance of thinking, God, I have so much to be thankful for. So much to be thankful for. Even, even somebody who's had the darkest year, we still have things that we can be thankful for. Right? There's still things that, that God has done for me and he's kept me through it. There may be questions that I have in my mind and wondering why are things the, the way that they are. But God, I still worship you and I still praise you and thank you for all that you've done. Now, Joshua, he gives them the opportunity, he says, you can go back to those little idols if you want to. But I'm telling you that the right choice would be to put away those gods. You know what the sad thing is? is it's, it's, it's pretty bad when, when you've got a God that's so small that you can put him away. When there's a God, when the God that you serve, it's, it's so small that you can just Pick them up and you can put them away. See, the thing about this God is, even when you try to put them away, God is still chasing after you. God, he can't be put away. This, oh God, he can't just be put up on a shelf or tossed into a trash. And God is there and he's reaching and he's calling you and he's, he's calling your, uh, your children that are lost today. He's calling those who, who have slipped into, slipped through the cracks or slipped into one of the, the past, the life that they used to live and they've, they've backslid and then God is still there and he's reaching. He's calling for them. God, this God, he cannot just be put away, but those other gods, come on, they're so small. There is no life in them so come on they ought to not have the same pull when you make that decision as that God almighty would have come on when you make that decision today that says I'm going to forsake those gods come on that's a decision that says from this day forward I'm not looking back I'm not turning back to them because they have no pull on me they have nothing in them that is really pulling them pulling me their way come on instead I have a God who is greater than anything and and he's pulling me into his presence. And when I get into his presence, come on, I realize just how small they were and how big he is. Well, I'm not interested in a God that you can just put away. Amen. I, I'm going to try to hurry this morning, but I just want to talk just a little bit on the subject of idolatry and why idolatry itself is so scary. To people who served idol gods throughout history, you can, you can go back, you can do this study for yourself, but the, the power, the power of idolatry, it was never in the vessel that was worshipped. It was never in that little idol. Whether it was made of gold, stone, wood, 
whatever it was that, that, that they made that idol, that, that image out of, it didn't really matter. And, and what they did in this, and actually I'll, I'll tell a little story. This is extra biblical, but it's, it's a part of the Jewish tradition of, of something. I, I, I have no idea if it's real, but it really is just telling a, telling a, uh, a point, making a point about Abraham and, and the decision that he was making. Jew, Jewish traditions, they, they talk about Abraham and his father Terah. And how Terah, which we saw in that scripture, says that Terah was a, an idol worshiper. Uh, but Jewish tradition would say it was more than that. He was an idol maker. That was his profession. And, and that he made idols. And the story says that Abraham, he was working in his father's shop one day. And while his father was gone delivering some of these idols, Abraham came in and he began to just tear up the shop, wrecked it all. When his father came back into the shop, the Jewish story says that his father looked at Abraham and he says, why would you do this? Why would you, would you wreck the shop like this? And Abraham looks at his father and he says, father, I didn't do that. That idol right there did it. At which point Terah responds to him and he says, Abram, you know that that God, that idol can't do that. That idol, it's not alive. And so Abram looks back at him and he says, then why are you still selling them? Why are you still selling them as if they are alive? I want you to know this, that it's, it's not in the Bible, it's just a Jewish story, but we can see the fact that's alluded to over and over and over, that there are some things in our life that, that they uh, have an illusion of life in them, but there is no life. They have an illusion of life and they will try to suck you in and pull you in and get you to believe that there is all kinds of things that they have promises, but they're empty promises. This world is all is full of a whole bunch of empty promises and there's a whole bunch of idols that they can grab your attention, but they are just a bunch of empty promises that have no life in them. There is one promise and that is a promise from God that he can give you life and he can give you peace. He can give you the satisfaction that you are seeking God when you give and you surrender yourself over to him he can fill you up and give you hope and a future he can give you victory over the things that you've been seeking victory for come on that's the only place that's the only one that you will ever worship that can truly give you the desires that you have Joshua said choose this day If you want it, then go get it. Get after it. But here's the thing about why idolatry, I'd say, is so scary is because this is, this is the part I I think some people don't know. It's, I I said the, the, the actual idol, the vessel, um, it was never, that was never actually worshiped. It's across the world today. It's still, that is not the thing that is worshiped. But rather there is a, a ceremony, if you will, that takes place for those who have idols who have who worship idols and when they go to the the market or they go to a uh to a maker of, of these idols then and they buy them they purchase them they bring them back home and soon after making that purchase they will have a ceremony and whether it be with a a 
priest or, or even just themselves, they, they'll have a ceremony at which time they will begin to pray and they will ask for a spirit to come and to enter into that idol that they purchased. This is one of the reasons that, uh, that most of these idols that you see, they have an open mouth. They're carved with an open mouth. It's a, a belief in them that, they, that allows that whatever spirit it is to be able to have access, to be able to come in and inhabit that thing. And that's, it's, see, this is, this is an initiation process and that's, that's taking place. It's something that uh, is, is they're, they're asking for the, the blessing over this idol and this initiation of the spirit to indwell in that idol. And they believe uh, that, that that is the thing that they actually begin to worship. And I'm telling you that because there is, there's, 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 I'm telling you this because there's always more to idol worship than what you would actually see. There's spirits behind the things that you do hold up and worship today that you would hold up as an idol in your life see they they would take that god and oftentimes they would, they would literally design their houses around that idol and they would set that idol up on a up in, in an important place in their house maybe a a wall that they would they would build a shelf there and they would set that idol up on the shelf of that wall and and then they they would put all of the chairs that are in that room where that idol is at they put all the chairs and and they'd surround them and they point them so that they can see that idol so that when when it's time that idol needs to begin to to speak uh speak to them it can begin to speak things into their lives and so and no no Last, does that, does that sound familiar at all? To have a room in your house where you would have something that is put up on a wall and all the chairs in the room are situated so that you're staring at that one thing so that it can speak things into your life and there are channels through which it will begin to speak into your life and, and it begins to do things and it's not the idol itself that is actually harmful but it's the things that you allow to be channeled through that idol that begin to come into your life. Come on, now those idols, they just happen to come in 60 inch you know, square boxes or rectangular boxes and you can control them by a remote control. And here's the thing, it's not the hardware that will send you to hell. It's what you will allow to stream through that hardware, hardware that can do it. Right? I'm on that other little box that you have inside your pocket, that's a hundred times more harmful, has, you know, a hundred times more things that you could access through that. Mom, but here's the thing. I'm talking about idolatry today. It's the things that you allow to consume your life. The things that you spend your time at, and I and I know this is not uh, not a, a hype you up, get you all excited kind of a message today, but I'm trying to get somebody, come on, to realize that there's a decision that has to be made. Whose side am I on? Whose side am I on? And am I going to allow idols to come into my life that are drawing me away from the presence of God, or will I make a decision to say these things are taking up too much of my time, too much of my 
my brain space, too much of my thoughts. And in fact, the things, even if it's just a little bit, the things that they're, they're putting into my mind are not healthy. They are not godly. And so I need to cut those out. Here's what I'm trying to say. We have some decisions to make today. We have decisions to say, which mountain am I going to stand on? Am I going to stand on the mountain that says that I have a whole bunch of gods that are too important for me to give up in order to follow the one God? Or will I stand on the other mountain that says there is one God who is above all, who has life, who has victory, who has come on promises that can be met and can be fulfilled and will be fulfilled. Whose side are you on today? Well, what, what are the things are it that consume you that you say, I just can't give these things up? One of the relationships that you have that you say, come on, I just, uh, I just find too much satisfaction in, in dabbling in these relationships that I know I should not be in. Are there other things, perhaps, perhaps it's that, that alcohol that you have stashed away. Come on, that you put that over being sober-minded and led of the Spirit. If it does, come on, if it does, then you can't let go of that idol in your life. Then that's a decision that you've made. On which, by which mountain, which mountain are you standing on today? Well, I know you may have a little bit of scripture to tell you. Come on, a little bit here, a little bit there is all right. But I also know that it's not leading any you, uh, any of you into any kind of a good life. And it sure has wrecked a whole lot more lives than it has healed. Come on, I want to get on the Lord's side today. I want to get to where God is standing and to say, come on, anything that's getting in the way of the the walk, my walk with the Lord, I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to set it aside. I want healing. I want, come on, wholeness. I want satisfaction that can only come from God. The anger, the bitterness, let me set that aside. Well, those things that I refuse to let go of, those things that I've built up as idols in my life of things that I cannot get past, I cannot let go of. Jesus said, if you want forgiveness, then you need to forgive others. Come on, it's not worth holding on to. Those idols are not worth holding on to. Those things that are getting into the way of your relationship with God, they're not worth holding on to. Come on, but let me shift over to the other mountain because on the other mountain is the Lord's side. And on the Lord's side, there is hope. On the Lord's side, there is victory. On the Lord's side, there is peace. On the Lord's side, there is everlasting life. Well, let me just tell you about a few things, and then we'll wrap up here soon. But let me tell you just about a few things that can happen on the Lord's side. It was on the Lord's side that Joshua found himself on when he got some instructions from the Lord that said, Go and march around this city. Seven times for seven days and six times on the first six days and seven times on the seventh day. And that sure seemed like a pretty ignorant plan that God would have for uh, Joshua and his armies. But when you follow God's plan, it's never ignorant. It's never something, come on, that you need a question. Because when I'm on the Lord's side, when I'm on his mountain, I know that I'm on the winning side. And when I do it God's way, he can fail every wall. Come on, there are things that you perhaps are dealing with today. 
today that says, I don't know how to get rid of this in my life. I don't know how to get rid of this idol. Here's the thing. Come and surrender to God. Come to an altar and find yourself and say, God, I'm not getting up from this place until I have broken free from the bondage that that idol has in my life. That that thing, Lord, that has such a bondage. I'm in such bondage today because of it. I'm not getting out of your presence until I've been set free. Come on, it's in his presence that those walls can fall, that those things that you have been you know, those giants, come on, that's another one. Another th- thing that happened when you are on the Lord's side. The giants, that they seem so tall. And they've been standing up as they did to the people of Israel. And they're telling them, come on, I'm going to feed you to the birds. I'm going to make you my captive. And they're telling you over and over, day after day. And all of a sudden, one man, one young boy, he stood up and he says, I don't know who you are, but I'm standing on God's mountain. I'm on the Lord's side and I may just have a little slingshot in a stone but as long as I'm on God's side I can tear down I can defeat any giant you're not going to stand for long because I have the Lord on my side come on that's all that you need if you're standing up against a giant today and an idol in your life it seems so big that you cannot get rid of it in your life I'm telling you trust God come on do not go towards the things of this world. Don't chase after them. Chase God and trust Him. It's the small things. It's surrender. It's, it's doing the things that us and our flesh, we don't want to do. But it's consecration and it's saying, God, I trust you. God, I may not understand it in this moment why I'm going through this. But I'll trust you. God, I don't understand why things are going this way. God, but I trust you. Come on, that's where the Hebrew boys found themselves. Those three boys, they could have bowed down to the idol, the the, the big idol that that, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had had, uh, resurrected or had had, uh, built. And and they said, I'm not going to. I don't even have to think twice about it. I'm not going to bow down to that idol. There's only one God I serve. Let me tell you about the Lord's side. They said, whether he's with us or not, I don't care. We're not going to bow. We're going to go to the furnace. Sometimes you have to go to the furnace. But when you're on the Lord's side, he'll meet you in the furnace. When you're on the Lord's side, he'll meet you right there in that place. And you may not understand why you had to go down that path. But God is with you. God is with you. In fact, God has experienced it himself. The heartache, the pain. He came. Robed himself in flesh. Dwelt among us. He experienced every emotion that you've experienced. He's been through everything that you've been through. He gave his life and innocence for you. Well, that's what the Lord's side will do. When you're on the Lord's side, you realize that he loves you so much that he gave his life for you. Not in this world. Not in this world. Satan, he doesn't care a lick about you. He will promise you 
one thing after another. He will promise you this and promise you that. And sometimes he gives you those promises only to hype you up and to get you to keep on pursuing the things of this world. Well, but there comes a day when it's all, it can all come crashing down. But in Jesus Christ, I always have him. His promises have never failed. And here's the thing, that in the end, in the end, I know that there's only one mountain that's going to be standing. I know that there's only one side that's worth being on. In the end, in the end, it's no question about whose side do I want to be on. It's on the Lord's side. When there is an end that's coming, there is an end day that is approaching soon. I believe it's approaching quickly. Come on, and I don't know that we have much time here today that's, that's left for us. But it, well, here's what I do know is that in this moment right now, there's still time for a decision. There's still time for a decision to be made. When there's things that you've been holding on to, things that you've been chasing, things that you've been uh, doing that, that, that you ought to give up. And Joshua was trying to get the people of Israel to make a decision. Moses tried to get the people to make a decision. And when they said, whose side are you on today? Joshua said, I've already made my decision. It's for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. One of our musicians could come. I Well, God is calling somebody today to a place of repentance. God is calling somebody today to a place where you would re-consecrate yourself. We would make that decision. Is this important enough to me to hold on to? Even though I know God is not pleased with it. Even though I know that God is, is asking me to let go. For me, it's a safety net. For me, it's, you know... I, I feel like my anxiety is going to be out of control if I let go of this thing. Or it's that thing that you say, I've tried to get rid of this in my life. I've tried to stop this cycle of sin that keeps on rearing its ugly head. But I'm just asking you again, would you come to an altar? Would you say, God, I'm not giving up. God, I'm coming over to your side. I want to pursue you. I want to follow you fully. Well, here's the thing about this walk with God is he's calling us to be disciples. You're a disciple today. He's called you to be a disciple of his, which means that as he calls you closer, as he calls you wherever he says to go, we go. Whatever he says to give up, God, I give it up. God, it doesn't have to be written down plainly in scripture God if I feel your spirit telling me to stop doing it Lord then I'll stop God I'll give it up Lord and I'll pursue you God whatever you would call me to do Lord I want to go after that come on can we we stand in this place God is calling somebody over to his side here this morning God is calling somebody over to his side over to them he's saying would you make a decision to give up 
the gods that you've been holding on to, the things that are your safety net, the things that you, you have just in case, the things that you think nobody else knows about, but yet you in your secret place, you know, and God knows. Say it's not hurting anybody else, yes, but it is, because you're not following and pursuing the things that God is, is, is calling you to pursue. It is hurting somebody else because God has a purpose and a plan for your life that includes the harvest. And because of all the idols that we have stored up, because of the things that we have in our secret places, the things that, that we have that, that nobody else knows about or so we think, come on, there's somebody come on, who they are dependent on you. But it's a personal decision. It's a personal decision today. Oh, and what are you deciding? Would you follow him? Would you follow the Lord today? Oh, and if, they, if you need to, or if you feel that call of consecration once again, or you feel that, that call to maybe bring somebody else and, and, and pray for them or bring uh, that, that individual, maybe a, a son or a daughter or a person that you've been trying to reach and, and, and you still have hope for them. Come on, would you come to an altar today? If you need to spend some time on your knees, come on, we've got time today. I don't want to rush it. Come on, spend some time on your knees. Don't get up until you're satisfied that the decision has been made, the die has been cast. I am not going back to the things that I brought out, brought from my past. Jesus, you are with me. God, on your side, there's victory. On your side, there's hope. God, on your side, God, I know, I know, Lord, that in the end, we win. God, it's not worth it to hold on to these idols, the empty promises, false hopes. Jesus, Jesus.